0: hello and welcome to the bg podcast episode 211 today we're wrapping up the week of august 7th 2023 joining me is bingham group ceo aj Bingham.
1: hello hannah happy to be here and we're actually recording this live or in person i think the first
0: yes this is the first time so history being made on this today's show First, uh, live in-person recording.
1: Try the last though. I I, I like this a little better than doing it through the Zoom rooms.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, so what's happening this week in City of Austin?
0: Well, it's been a, it's been a busy week, um, kind of culminating. I would like to say potentially the conclusion of this story, uh, the Zilker vision plan, um, has gone down. It is no longer being pursued by the, per the city manager. Um, on Monday, we got a press release from, uh, Council members Zoe Caudry, Ryan Alter, and Mayor Pro Paige Ellis saying that they could not support this, quickly followed by the mayor um, saying something similar, saying he appreciated that the city manager was pausing it.
1: Yes. And we'll have, we'll have a link to this in the show notes. It was one of the BG Reads' top stories of the week. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is, let's dig, unpack this a little bit, right? The Zilker Vision Plan had been, the public process had been underway since last October, And it it had been brewing before that, right? And so, for those who aren't from Austin or familiar with Austin or just new to Austin, uh, Zilker Zilker Park is the city's crown jewel metropolitan park. It's a park of the city, Um, and let's start with that as the the backdrop, right? So the park has been it's it's heavy usage. The city's been under, you know, our city keeps our city continues to grow, and thusly the park is getting a lot of love. And just I think the vision plan at a high level was looking at how do we develop the park in some way or how do we shape the or how do we just yeah, develop the park in a way that matches the growth of the city. Is that about uh, correct for as you recognize no you, you looked at a lot more than I did.
0: Yeah, this is that's exactly what I saw. I saw that, you know, you know, we're having growing pains as a city, which I think is completely normal as a as a boom town, as mm-hmm. like tenth, a largest
1: city, tenth largest city in the US.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're growing at an exponential rate. I think we've seen that a lot of our amenities and infrastructure hasn't continued to um, grow with us. And so I think Zilker Park was something that needed some some stuff to to facilitate the growth. And so, you know, I grew up in Buda, which is about 30 minutes away from here. I've been going to Zilker Park since I was a baby. Uh, it's, it's something that I think people, um, not only around the Metro love, but it's something that people in the city love. And so reading this this plan, it was, I think it was about 300 pages. I, I read every single page. I believe
1: it too. Hannah's <laughs> our resident walk.
0: Yes, yes, I'm the I'm the resident um, land use nerd and and just city of Austin nerd. But um, I think one of the things I was really excited about was that you know Zilker Hillside Theater was getting more space because one of the things that they do every summer, which I love, I, I've been taking my brother to these since he was born, so for almost a decade now. Um, is the Zilker Hillside Theater throws these really great musicals every summer. On the other hand, I
1: mean, I was going to those in high school before you were born.
0: Yeah, I keep forgetting that you you probably have already gone to all the things that I've gone to. And so, um, you know, that place, their Zilker Hillside Theater has outgrown that area that they're currently at. And so they one of the things they asked for was a new new space to accommodate the amount of people. Um, and that was one of the things that people were, were quite angry about, the potential of an amphitheater um and another thing was a parking garage right now um there's just that big gravel parking lot The
1: polo fields yes right? and
0: it doesn't it doesn't very often fill up but you know there are certain times like trail of lights um when it's 70 degrees here mm-hmm. you know the two days a year that it's 70 degrees here it fills up and so one of the things that they thought would be good was to decrease impervious cover which is just essentially concrete was to build a parking garage and i know that's one thing i hate parking garages. Um. I'm like, why can't this be affordable housing? That's usually my, my think, but my thought, but for me, I thought that'd be good because of how, um, you know, it's in a it's an environmentally sensitive area. And so less concrete, better, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. And I think, you know, hearing the testimony because um, I, I tuned into those parks and rec boards, the environmental boards, um, all the boards that. Uh, council, up,
1: testimony yeah, council testimony too, to testimony.
0: And one of the things I think that stood out to me was there was a lot of issues with very small components of the plan that weren't, it was a, once again, you know, this is a plan and this is stuff that they said, you know what, we're gonna put one parking garage in and we're gonna see if we need more. So we have these other sites planned if we need more. And immediately the kind of, I think messaging from, from community groups out there was, they're gonna put seven parking garages up for Zilker. Oh yeah. And so I think that's where this, we can kind of talk about this a little bit was, just the, for lack of better terms, um, propaganda machine <laughs> that was kind of being that was used by the um the neighborhoods and community organizations that were on both sides. Mm-hmm.
1: It's very interesting, right? And I think it's something you new know, Just as a disclosure, we didn't have our firm being a group or us individually weren't involved in any capacity, volunteer or otherwise, or monetarily for sure with the issue. So we were just watching it objectively as much as we could, you know, beyond being um, longtime Austinites and just seeing it play out. Okay, you know, you, you see. The testimony you see people going to speak as, they, as they're right um and then also but i think particularly the social media battles are played up in you know, what you're doing what you're referencing right and yeah. on both sides of it and i mean a few things one you realize i think most people just it, it is what it is don't read yes right don't read I mean, like so in the sense of this with anything if you just have a few points and consistently put them out there you most people you can get enough people to believe you yeah, and, and I do think that's unique to Austin for sure. That's, but that's I think what interest, interests me about this uh, the Zilker plan and however it went down, how it went down, but was was the last several months of um, kind of back and forth because I think I would posit that has you know implications for future matters that rise that level, particularly when certain groups are involved. Yeah, right. I think that playbook is there. And you realize it's really about you make enough noise and push. I mean, it is what it is. You make enough noise on things and it shows can be effective.
0: Yeah. And I, I think.
1: Um, Poor my friend. Pardon me. It's not just making so much noise, but it's just the playbook of it's the public testimony. It's a social media playbook. It's probably other behind the scenes, um, you know, just tools that are publicly you know, available, the law, anything else, but enough of a machine is there that, it, you know, we can shift things.
0: And I also think it was a very easy tagline, uh, the Save Zilker Park. Obviously, you want to save Zilker Park. But I think one of the things that these people or people supporting the thing didn't necessarily understand was one of the major things that a lot of these, you know, people that were ingrained in the Save Zilker Park um, and, you know, high up in there and, and were at these events testifying every time was one of the things that was brought up was they don't necessarily want ACL there they don't necessarily want trail lights there and so i think that's another thing that that's stuff that you know the younger generation as i like to say because if we have to you know split it up into the the over 50 crowd and the under 50 crowd i think the under 50 crowd was very much so supportive of you know that acl you know a big community events being held there for people from across the city maybe even across the nation come versus i think you know the people that live there in the neighborhoods don't necessarily want that. And I think I would be in that same position too if I lived there.
1: I would only in the sense of recognizing there's a time when, So I, I, mean, I think it's less generational, it's more about just where what your expectation is about and how you view the park. Yeah. Now there was a time, you know, when Zilker was pretty much the whole area is the more the, the suburbs, right? I mean, the development of south the river, it took, it was over decades. And so, you know, in the 80s, bought a house there, you know, it's probably much, you know, that park wasn't as heavy use. You didn't have ACLFS, you didn't have a lot of things. And so, while it's a metropolitan park, I can understand how you might view that as your neighborhood park, but yeah. it's not a neighborhood park. Yeah. And now the city has grown, it's grown all, you know, exponentially in every direction, definitely south. And of course, people want to go to their major city park. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the schism, if you will, is that it's like this isn't your park, right? It's the city's park. Yeah. And I think because part of the plan too, again, not having read the whole thing was it was creating avenues for more accessibility to the park that didn't involve necessarily cars. And you know, I've seen this before, you know, on other shows, but like, it's, to me, that, the schism was that less generational, it was more just how you viewed the park and, you know, you, your messaging on that could, you know, the messaging of how you viewed it. You might not say that say that publicly. You know, this is, you know, some people, I've heard this from other people, right? Like I, thoughts on it but it's referenced that people might do that as their own part i don't think that's the case but that's kind of i think how the schism was i don't think it was a dur- durational thing i think acl fast, trail of lights and just you know, disclosure I'm on, I'm on the board of trail of lights the trustees i think it's it's just how you view it and i think that's that this battle or this this discussion isn't it, i think all we do is kick it down the curve and no difference no different than with i-35 when people complain about that but the city had a chance to to oak to expand that you know decades ago we didn't probably i mean not along the same lines but kind of and we are we are our city's going to grow people are going to use that park more and more and there's no there's no willing in a way you're not going to change that from my view you know that's yeah. my own that's only my own opinion
0: yeah and i, I think you know there was a lot of um there was just a lot of eyes on this and i think a lot of the eyes only a few people had read it because it was such a dense document and there wasn't really anything that was breaking it down from a very, you know, unbiased perspective and so I think a lot of people were kind of running blind with this and and you know, fair because it was a 300-page document that was super technical in a lot of ways and so um, I don't know, I think I think you know back to the it's a metropolitan park. It's not a neighborhood park. I think that's something that council's going to have to come to terms with in the coming months.
1: Um, oh, this is going to, this issue will come back up at some point. I mean, it might wait till after election season election season next year or uh, next fall or the, of the fall twenty four, but it's just you know, maybe by in the decade, right, it'll come back up because it's just the use of it even without ACL Fest, which you know, that's one time twi- you know one two weekends a year. It's still intensive and it's not gonna go down.
0: And that's that's another thing. One of the big talking points was Live Nation slash Ticketmaster slash. Oh battle. Yeah, yeah. Them.
1: The cabal the cabal of uh they're just really what the behind the scenes running everything. Yeah. And so
0: the umbrella nonprofit was to kind of give um those groups more resources. I think one of the things people forget is that Parks Foundation and Austin Parks are not suit so, like the richest organizations. A lot of the money they receive is from revenue from ACL. Um, I think they donated over a million dollars this year to our Parks Foundation, which was great um, and love to see that. But, um, you know, I, I think one of the big things that the, the plan stipulated was that they're all going to be involved in this non- umbrella nonprofit. However, um, Live Nation, um, Ticketmaster, whatever you want to call them, um, wasn't going to be like the final like decision signing off on everything. They weren't going to be able to push anything. They were really just going to be know there to say like hey we're going to use the park for these two weeks and we're going to donate a lot of money to you to kind of use the park and so um to me it felt like it was perceived as live nation was coming in and they were going to charge you to enter the park yeah that was that was never going to be the case um and i i think that was something that i would be like heck no absolutely not that's not good policy that's not what parks are for and that's never something the city wanted
1: yeah i think again going to you look at some of the commentary that was made about the plan, right, from folks opposing it. I mean, it really unearthed a lot of I think there are things you're gonna pack from that, a lot of different threads of of things people kind of may already believe and you just into it, right? So it wasn't like they were outright like falsehoods from people, but they took things I think people already kind of assumed, or maybe thought, right? Assumptions and assumptions are just assumptions. But those they need to dig far to get people moving, right? You can just, I mean I think there was, you know, there were some meet or parody accounts are made but the plan too and everything else but it's in the aggregate of all of this stuff and again not us not being involved in it at all we really believe looking can't objectively i think as objective as we could about um just the comments being made and you know i try not to comment on stuff i haven't read right really you know i will but i, I try not to but anyway it was interesting and i guess you know, where we are now is the plan is shelved i'm sure it'll come back up in some point maybe 20, I bet mean, 2020, I think 2027. Yeah, and I
0: think this also was kind of reminiscent of, to me at least of in a similar vein of the, the Austin energy rate increase that occurred mm-hmm. um, at the end of 2022, that was in response to the fact that they hadn't raised rates in like almost a decade. And what we saw was an exponential increase in our energy um, bills. You know, every, every day I'm like uh, when I, or every month when I look at my energy bill, I'm like, I have to remind myself that the rates increased because of a 10 year period. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think we, if we don't, you know, act faster rather than slower, um, you know, we could end up in a similar situation where we end up costing the city, you know, trillions rather than millions to to kind of fix the park and, you know, have the park be the park that's for a city of the size that what we are. Um, and we'll be in a similar situation where we're spending way more money than we would have if we'd acted.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen that play out in other things around the city too. So yeah. I'm not, I was probably... That's not that's not an unfair assumption to make or yeah. assertion to make. Well, let's move on to budget season. We're coming to the end of that. So what is going on this week with the budget, the city budget?
0: Yeah. So Tuesday and Thursday, they had work sessions. One of the things that was a um, pretty big deal this week was all of the council members had to release their budget amendments. You might also see them referred to as IFCs. Um,
1: Items for council?
0: Yes. <laughs> and so... Um, they released all of those. I think most of them. I think all of them put them on council message board.
1: They should be all there. We've had we've had those. We have links. We'll have links in the show notes to that. But they've been running in the BG Reads as well.
0: Yeah, and if you're more of an Instagram user, I saw that. Um, at least Velasquez and Kadri posted them on Instagram and Bella as well. And Bella, so they're also can be found on Instagram. Um, and yeah, I think it was a a relatively non-controversial week. I rem- I know we watched these. Um. These budget hearings, and um, it was a lot of getting into the the very technical nitty gritty of the budget, but a lot of great items are brought. Um, You know, we saw Councilmember Nessa Fuentes bring forward some child care items. Uh, Councilmember Velasquez brought forth um, an item for HIV and STI testing. One of the things that we saw this um, past summer was there was an increase in the need just across the city. Um, And so, you know, that's a great thing for, for those who need it. Um, and just a lot of other great items, as well as for homelessness, public safety. Um, I saw Zoe Cadre, uh, Council Member Cadre, brought forth an um, item for um, spiked drinks. Yeah, half a
1: million dollar allocation.
0: Yeah, which is is great. Um, you know, I've um, I went to UT very recently, and so um, as someone who still has friends there, mm-hmm. um, great to see that they're going to be protected. I
1: and mean, the council met. You know, the council member. I mean, the students were definitely. Student population was a. A, a strong foundation of his re- election as well. I mean, his, his district also covers all of the entertainment zones downtown. It's uh, 36th, as we mm-hmm. say, and then West 6th Street and rainy mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, We're
0: still d We're We're here for the foreseeable future,
1: so
0: mm-hmm. um, all good stuff on that end. Uh,
1: and then, so then next week, it's a big it's finally, we're getting down, we're getting to it, right? Yeah. FY24 budget will be voted on sometime between Wednesday the 16th through the 18th, but well, I'm thinking the 16th. Will
0: I'm also thinking the 16th. I, I Even watching the hearings, they were going like very, very fast. You know, they, they tried to keep chit-chat to a minimum. I say chit-chat as in like council members kind of saying statements on the dais. Mm-hmm. It's all very... Um, like, is, is this is what you're saying going to matter, essentially? And so, you know, is this an amendment? Um, so I think they'll get it done on Wednesday, too.
1: Where they're going now, for those who haven't, this is your first budget budget cycle council um, based on um, several last few years. Um, so members laid all their items out. There was no hashing out of the different costs or anything else. But I know Mayor Watson did uh, advise the council members to, as everyone laid out their items, to assess just the overall amount requested and where can dollars be shifted if needed. Um, ultimately, um, you know, there's only so much money to go around. And so I think as if, it, if it's the same as it's been in past years, the calculations and allocations and all that shifting and all that will occur before before Wednesday the 16th. Um, and a lot of times they'll post that message board will be watching that. We'll have a, an active or an updated um a spreadsheet about what's going to what for that so we'll have that in the notes for our listeners and readers we'll also have that probably, we'll probably have a no we will have that in the in the next next week's recap of the budget and the week and with that um we're about to show up we will give you a, f- a few other items though in the show notes we'll have the, the top five metro or austin metro news stories from the bg from the bg reads this is Our daily early morning, uh, 6.30 a.m. email blast where you can find just uh, top Austin stories, Texas stories, as well as some national news related to politics and business. Um, And we'll have a link for for you to subscribe there. Um, And as well, we'll have a, a link to hearings for next week going on in the city of Austin with links to the agendas. Uh, Hannah, anything else you want to add?
0: Yeah, one more thing. Uh, This Saturday is going to be Austin's Pride Parade. There's a lot of big stuff going on related to pride in the city. I know Austin's kind of weird. We do our our pride celebration in August rather than during the National Pride Month in June. Um, So there will be a parade and a lot of great stuff. Um, I know there's a lot of small businesses that are owned uh, by LGBTQ members that are, um, you know, having pop-ups or um, just doing a lot of great stuff. So I encourage you to go out there and support Um, great event. I always have a good time.
1: So, yeah. All right. With that, have a great weekend.
0: Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the BG podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG podcast is available on Apple podcast, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG podcast is a product of the Bingham group LLC an Austin based lobbying firm, serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. We'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.